Praise the Lord. How good is it when your heart sings? You know, Jesus said in Matthew, in the gospel, Matthew said, some people, they worship me with their mouths, their lips, but their hearts were far from him. How good is it when we come together and we can just out our hearts, just let it from right here. Lord, thank you. How great are you? It's not coming from our head, not coming just out of, it's, it's a heart connected thing. He's great. And if you hadn't got that, maybe sometimes we got to be careful we don't get into a routine in a rut where we sing something and it's just this way instead of coming out of here. Praise the Lord. Um, so tonight I am excited. We're gonna we're gonna look at a couple Sunday nights. We're gonna look at this thing called graveyard stories um, coming up at this time of year. And you know, I, it's funny because growing up. It wasn't something we ever did, but it wasn't until I moved up here that I ever actually went into a graveyard, and it was at Christ Church. Anybody ever did that thing over there? And you, this, this, this is supposed to be this ooh, spooky thing to go over there, and I was like, what's so spooky about this? I did find out we're like on the 31st, we're on the map, 31st, supposed to be spooky place in the graveyard. And uh, as I was thinking about and praying over what we're going to be speaking about, I thought, Jesus had a lot of graveyard stories, <laughs> and they're better than any story that ever happened. And there were some dynamic things that happened in a graveyard. And uh, what we've done is we've tried to, to, to try to make a graveyard as a scary, like, woo, there's these things, which, by the way, that, let's be honest, that's not somewhere you go and hang out, but you do take care, you know, our loved ones. Jesus said, uh, at one point, let the dead bury the dead. I don't think he was talking about dead people because they can't do that. Talking about spiritually dead people. But it is a thing where we do go back. There's times where I'll go to my dad's and my brother's grave in Jacksonville just to sit there for a moment and reminisce and reflect. Uh, My mom, uh, my, my niece was here in town last week, and we went by there. That's where her dad is born. She was only... um uh, she was 14 years old when her dad passed, and uh, and so it's been a it was a good time of healing for her. She says every time she comes, she lives in in California now, but every time she comes over, she just goes and sits there, and it, she feels like she's connecting. Uh, what we weren't talking, what necromancing, like hey, I'm right here, but it was a thing where we celebrate their lives and and remember. And so I want to look at the first one we're going to look at, which is a pretty cool graveyard story if you look at it. And see, there's some incredible things because it is probably the most, it is the most dynamic, powerful story where Jesus eradicated and it shows his power over the demonic influences and forces of this world than any other thing he did on this planet. And it's found in the, it's found in three gospels. It's found in Matthew. It's found in Mark and it's found in Luke. John was always wanting to share love, and so he didn't have that one. But in Luke chapter 8, we're going to look there if you want to open your Bibles. We're going to start um, tonight. We're going to look at, mm, we'll start in um, verse 26. We're going to start in verse 26, and uh, it talks about how the, the disciples, they sailed across, they were... They were going, and we'll we'll back up in a moment. But at first, there's some things I want to I want to set the stage for because we've come to a place in society almost that 
where the church has almost come to the place where there's really not a demonic influence or somehow that demons don't exist today or the devil's re- not really that bad. And, and it's we've almost, uh, like the, the devil would like, to come as an angel of light. Like he, would, he could go under the radar, so to speak, and like, oh, there's not really that uh, demonic influence going on. And it, nothing can be further from the truth because we know, according to Revelation chapter 12, it says that... When he was cast down from heaven, it says that he knew he went to make war with the children that hold the commandments of God, that have the testimony of Jesus Christ. And it was one that uh, it said that he came down with great wrath because he knew that his time was short. So the, the shorter time gets, in other words, the, the, the closer we get to the end of days, the more demonic influence is going to be and the stronger it's going to come. And the best thing, the one thing he'd love to do is lull people to sleep. Like, oh yeah, that doesn't happen today. And it's like, oh, it happens all the time. Um, and so, but I do want to look at how it, it affects different ones, believers, non-believers. And so as we look at this story, I want to start out with the, the first thing is that Satan really is real and he does want to destroy you. He's come to kill, steal, and destroy, John 10, 10. The thieves come to do that. And, but Jesus came to have that we may have life and have it more abundantly. And so um, when we, we, we want to look at, when they get in the boat, they sell over to the region of the Gerasenes. Uh, and there's another translation where it says the Gadarenes. And I, as I researched that, Gadda was a big region, and Gerasene and Gerasa was smaller towns in that region. And when you look at... at uh, at Gadda or the Gadarene, Gadda was, it was a little further inland. So when it says the Gerasenes, it was where there, and you'll see in a minute, where there was a steep enough hill that went right down in the, into the lake that, you know, we could see what happens and make it possible for the, the things that go on in this story. So I just wanted to clear that up. And as we look, they sailed there, which is across the lake from Galilee. And so how they got there, this is what's important. This is not by accident they show up here. They were actually in a storm just before this. Jesus had got his disciples in a boat and said, Hey, let's go for a, let's go for a sail. We're going to another place. And as they're in there, the wind becomes contrary and it begins to blow. And they're in this major storm and all these brave men that were fishermen that knew storms. Jesus, we see in that storm, we're not going to go there, but Jesus is asleep in the bow. He's out cold and they're afraid they're fixing to die. And so they're thinking, oh my, we're going to die. And they wake him up and they go, you know, hey, don't you care? We're fixing to, we're fixing to drown. We're fixing, it's not going to work out. And, um, Jesus wakes up, speaks to it, says, be calm, be done, stop. And it stops and then goes, lays back down. Said, okay. He looks at him and says, what's wrong with y'all? Why are y'all so, uh, they're so, where, where's your faith is what he says. And then I love what the disciples say in verse 25, the one just before this. And he says to them, where's your faith? And asked them, in fear and amazement, they asked him, who is this? He commands, who is this? He commands even the winds and the water and they obey him. So then he shows up, if the storm blows them into Gerasim. And as they get out, in verse 27, as they get out of the boat, um, when Jesus stepped ashore, so the wind blows them to this place, he gets on the shore, 
and stepped ashore, and he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. Right off the bat, how many of you know it's going to be a good day when you step out your front door, whoo, and there's this crazy man right here. <laughs> Most people would like, Pastor, Pastor, I, so, I want to tell you tonight, you have power and authority over every demonic force that ever has existed, ever will exist. And, and Jesus gave us that. And this story proves just how great that power. It proves, first of all, the enemy is out to destroy. And, uh, but it proves that Jesus' power is much greater. Um, now he's been, there's a few things about this man. As I studied, there wasn't anything that said why. We know that there are things we can do to open ourselves up to demonic. There are things that we can physically do that open ourselves up to the demonic. And I want to say this, really, those who don't know Jesus, if he's not your Lord, if you haven't committed your life to him, really, you're under that control because he's the prince of the power of the air. And so he actually is, without even knowing it, he has a power and authority in their life and wreaks havoc on that. But for a believer, it's one of those things we have to open a door. It's something we have to physically, spiritually, mentally do that gives him access because the enemy's been relegated to darkness. And so if there's anything within us where we've not allowed the light of the Lord, the love of the Lord to shine in, it can begin to take up authority. It can take up a place. The same with this man. It doesn't say anything about his past. It doesn't say that his family, like we know with Abraham, we know he came from the Ur of the Chaldeans. It was a place of idol worship. Many times that's where it comes in, through idolatry. It can come in through witchcraft. It can come in through sort. It can come into many different ways. Doesn't say it about this man, but we know that uh, he was from the town. And for a long time, this man had had not worn clothes and lived in a house, uh, or or lived in a house, and he lived in the tombs. Now, how many of you know that when the enemy gets a hold of us, he wants to take us to dark places? Like, you don't naturally think, oh, I wonder where there's a place I could go camping. Let's go to the graveyard and camp out there. You go for a nice place by the lake. You go for a nice place somewhere. This guy had been so possessed or something had driven him to the place. The enemy within him had driven him to the place where he had taken off his clothes. He was that guy in town, and he couldn't be in town anymore. And he had, he had been relegated to darkness. He had, he had moved out there and lived out there. And we'll see why in just a moment. In the next verse, it says, When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his lung, at the top of his voice, What do you want with me? What is it you're after? What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, don't torture me. Now, what's funny about this is we just read in verse 25, where the disciples were going, what kind of man is this? Wow, that even the wind. And then he shows up here in this man full of demons. They knew exactly who he was. It says there's a spiritual force that recognizes the power of God. It recognized the authority that Jesus had. He rec- they recognized spirit to spirit. They understood very much who they were dealing with. And I believe personally that the man... There was a desire. Could you imagine being hung in between two places where you were in the tombs and wanting to die because you were right there, but you couldn't. And so you had the torment of 
the, this demonic influence and presence in your life, and it's, and it's literally driving you to this place of, of death, this place of, of misery, this place of, a, <coughs> of abandonment, and yet you can't die, but you're not really alive. It's a miserable place to be that he's in. So when Jesus comes and he goes and throws himself, don't torture me. Imagine what torture he was already in. Imagine it's like I'm I'm in limbo between dying and living. I'm not really in the life. There's death all in me. And it shows me that Jesus is willing to touch us even in our most extreme state. There's nothing in our lives where Jesus will ever run from us. If there's anything that this story will tell you in this graveyard story, Jesus doesn't get afraid of things. He's powerful. He's beyond everything we could ever imagine. He has all power, and he's given us that power. So it's not something we run run from. It's not where we go looking at a, at a demon and behind every bush, but it's not something we run from either. That when we, we come in contact with the demonic, he's given us full authority to deal with that. I've shared with you different stories where people would call me, and I know Pastor Liggins has them and, and others have had them. You've had some where people call you, and it's usually at night. I don't usually ever get called in the middle of the day. <laughs> it's not, hey, they're over here manifesting demons. or hey, they're... It's always it's somewhere in the middle of the night. Hey, like, wow. When I was working with youth, it was always be at night. Pastor Mark, or it would be a text. I'm like, like, Jesus, thank you, Lord. And I found out real quick that it was never, they never had the authority that people thought they had. There were different ones that would think they had this authority. I, I remember called one night, I mean, it didn't matter what your eco, you know, economic status was, it didn't matter how much money you didn't have. It's a nice neighborhood, but I get a call one night, it's about one o'clock in the morning, and a mother's calling and say, hey, my son's out in the front yard manifesting demons. I'm like, okay, this ought to be fun, I wonder what that looks like. And so when I, when I pull up, another pastor had already got there and he's wrestling with this thing. I mean, he's on the ground and, and I'm just sitting watching like, wow. <laughs> I'm like, I was never told to wrestle one. <laughs> so, so this guy's on there and he's got him in his headlock and this kid's giving him all he can stand. And he, he yells me, help me. I'm like, I'm going to let you go ahead. You got that. I'm going to let you finish up. The only time I ever saw that in Acts 16 where, you know, the seven sons of Skiva, they got beat. <laughs> Like, I don't wrestle things like that. Not that way. The weapons of our warfare are powerful and mighty, pulling down strongholds. Not sitting there wrestling. And so um, this happened, and, and they went at it until he was wore out completely. And this, this, this young man is, is literally, he's on the ground. He's crawling through the ground. And all of a sudden, he comes up, and he grabs my leg, and he, his arm gets on my leg. And I'm like, and he, he squeaks out. And I said, oh, he's still there. He's not fully possessed. There's still, he's still right there. Most high God, I beg you don't torture me. I'm, I'm in enough torture as it is. Is it going to get worse? This young man said, don't, he said, help me. I said, oh, okay, that's all we know. And so at that point, I just said, in the name of Jesus, you let him go. You foul spirit. You have no authority you let him go, and, and in a moment, he just began to hurl this yucky stuff. It was it was one of those things that it's off. I mean, it's just foul. And, and then he, he he rolls over and he does this big gasp, <sighs> and he lets out this big scream. I'm like, oh, I hope the neighbors. <laughs> it's going to be a sight for neighbors to come out and look. 
We went through this process, and as we did, I, I could tell there was freedom coming. I said, hey, I said, I'm sitting down there, and there's no more wrestling. There's no more anything. He still throws up a little bit. And I said, hey, do me a favor. And we get there, I said, hey, can you say to me, Jesus is my Lord? And he said, Jesus, Jesus. And he would just come out, Jesus. I was like, okay, in Jesus' name, let him go. Loose him. It wasn't done. Before, it took about a few minutes, not long. It wasn't anything like Hollywood portrays it. It wasn't anything like that. It was right there. Nobody came out. It wasn't, all the neighbors had to come out. It was maybe about 15 minutes. And he, he said, Jesus, you're my Lord. You're my Lord. And he just kept, Jesus, my Lord, you're my Lord, you're my Lord. And he just cried and kept crying. You're my Lord, you're my Lord, Jesus. I love you. I want you, Jesus. We get up, come back inside. We get, he gets cleaned up. He comes, he falls all over me. And he says, I couldn't get free. He said, I couldn't get free. He said, he made a pact with the devil as a young man. At that point, he was 18 years old. He made a pact with the devil. He had gotten locked up in lust and he made a, a thing and said he wanted to be with girls. And he had asked for God's, he had asked for the, he'd made a pact with the devil. Like, if you let me have all the girls I want, I'll serve you. And it was a, it was a thing he thought that's what he wanted, his flesh nature. And he renounced every bit of it. And to this day, he's doing great. Still, he's a police officer in another uh, state, has three children, loving Jesus and freedom. That The enemy wants to lock us down. And Jesus came to set us free. He came to destroy the works of the devil. And he wants us to do it. And he doesn't want us ever to be afraid of anything that he tries to throw at us. So as we look at this, as he cries out to his feet and he's begging not to be tortured, um, it says that Jesus has already commanded. Jesus had commanded when he came up. He commanded. Jesus commanded the impure spirit to come out of the man. Many times it had seized him. And though he, he was chained, hand and foot, kept... Uh, and kept under guard, he had broken his chains and had been driven by the demon into solitary places. And so when we look at these things and we talk about graveyard, I want us to see that when I've, I've used this story with many people that try to think they've, they're all spooky and they try to say, you know, I've, we've had different ones in out witnessing where, you know, they say they're Satanists. And I'm like, really? You're a Satanist? Are you really? You're a Satan. Come on now. I've never met a real Satanist. Are you real? I mean, we talk about sacrificing chicken. Um, when you say that, and when they look at you like, what? I'm like, I mean, come on. Are you, how Satanist are you? And then I share this story with them. I'm like, this is what happens, man. It, it can, it can set people free. This is what Jesus came to do. And it says that, um, when we look at, um, what, that he was driven to, solitary places, that's the enemy's, it's, it's his favorite thing to do, is to try to get us alone. To get you alone so he can then wreak havoc on your life. And that's what it is. He's alone, and you'll see in just a moment how many people are there. So Jesus asked him, what is your name? And I personally believe he was asking what the man's name was. I don't believe he was trying to talk. There's some say he was trying to talk to a demon. I believe Jesus was asking his name, but the man then, all of a sudden, the the spirits begin to take a legion, he replied, because many demons had gone into him. And so here this man is completely controlled at that point. So I, I think he had uh, moments of sobriety. There were moments where he could clear and then others not. I mean, let's be honest. They show up. He's naked. He's, they tried to chain him. He's out. And one, trans, and one of the gospels, it says he's cutting himself. 
He's sitting here with rocks and he's cutting and, and destroying his life. And then uh, Jesus shows up, asks him, he said, we're legion for we're many. Now when he says legion, and it's, it's amazing because Luke's the one that, that uh, describes it as legion. That is either four to six thousand. He was using the troops of the Roman troops. It was four to six thousand. And we'll see in a minute through how many pigs got involved here that um, where it actually it gets real bad. And so when he asked him his name uh, and they begged Jesus repeatedly not to order them to go into the abyss, which tells us this. The enemy operates in darkness, like I said a moment ago. It's, it confirms, don't make us go into the dark. We, we don't like the dark. We, no, 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 we, because they were angels. They got cast down. And they don't like it in darkness. They don't want to be there. They want to be out here and they want to be, uh, controlling people. They want to be, um, they want to be in, in, involved and they, because that's what they were doing. They're like, don't put us out there. We don't want to go there. And then it says there's a large herd. This is where it comes into the, this is where Peter would get involved. Um, <laughs> where, where we look at this thing of pigs, a large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. The demons begged Jesus to let them Go into the pigs, and it gave them permission. And that's where we realize that demons aren't that smart after all. <laughs> now, we don't know what exactly took place in Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew. He, in Matthew, it, it describes there are, two, there are two with them. There actually, it mentions two people when Jesus gets to shore. But even then, Matthew goes to the one. So I don't know if the other one was there trying to help. It doesn't say, but there were two people there. But it says here... That when the demons were looking, they weren't real bright. They were going, let's, and it's like, let's go there. I don't want to go to the abyss, but we'll go into those pigs. Let's go to them. And that's where, um, where, where Mark's got, Matthew's got said there were 2,000. 2,000 pigs that were there. That's a, that's a little bit of a herd. Um, I don't know if you've ever been around pigs, but, uh, that's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot of bacon. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that's a lot of bacon. Um, and so as it happened in verse 33, this is where, um, when the demons came out of the man, they went in the pigs and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and they were, they were drowned. It's like, I believe they had no, they just, they run rampant. They go into these pigs and these pigs had no control and they start heading for the water. And now this is where, um, it says the pigs drowned. But it doesn't say the demons were destroyed because we know that spirits don't die just like your spirit. It will never die. And so the spirits did not die. It doesn't say where they went or what happened. They didn't go anywhere else. But the pigs themselves died. And I love it because I don't know if this was a, an affront on that town or an affront on those farmers. Because pigs, as you many of you know, they were considered an unclean, an unclean animal to the Jewish people. And they might have been saying, you know what, it might be unclean to them, but we like sausage and bacon and we like, we like, and, and that might have been the case, but it, so Jesus might have said, yeah, you go ahead over there and, and take them out while you do it. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna fulfill a couple things. I'm gonna take them out. You don't get to have these unclean animals. I'm gonna take them out at the same time. But there were 2,000 of them as they went in. And when we look at, um, at this whole thing of what took place and as they did that, the people that were there watching, when they saw it, they, you gotta think, as you're watching, you ever witnessed something and you were going, what did I just see? 
So they're seeing this guy. They knew him. He was over there. They, they knew, don't go near that guy. As they do that, when they saw, when they were, go back one. It says when the people saw, back up one slide. Thank you to 34. Thank you very much. Doing a great job. When those tending the pigs saw that they, uh, what had happened, they ran off and reported this in the town to the countryside, which says to me, that town knew it was, they were okay in them to, to do the pigs. They were saying, hey, we're not going to worry about the law. We're going we're gonna to do this. And then this is where it really gets a little bit, to me, where it tells you what the town was like. It tells you something of the town. It said, and the people went out to see what had happened. And when they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone out, sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed in his right mind, and they were afraid. Okay, let me ask you something. If you had a loved one that was way out there, I mean way out there, you had, I mean you've been praying for and they've been way out there and they come home and you're having, they're all dressed nice and you're in your, they're conversing nicely. Would you be afraid and go, what kind of condition were they in that they were afraid of the miracle that Jesus had just performed, the greatest one, like I said, this is where you realize people will surprise you. You go, how could you be afraid with this man? He's just got set free. This man who you've been chaining, you've tried to train, you've tried to chain him, you couldn't. He's been beating himself up. He's still cut up from the, from the scars. He still has those, but yet he's clothed. You couldn't keep clothes on him. Here he is clothed in his right mind. And the people of the town, they uh, they begged him. They were afraid. As a matter of fact, in verse thirty six, the people went out. Um, verse thirty six, they they those who had seen it told the people how the demon possessed had been cured. And then um, let's move on. Keep going. Then all the people of the region of Gerasene asked Jesus to leave them. Now. What kind of condition, like I said, what kind of condition is this town when you see some miracle like this take place? And I believe that we can get so locked up into our religion that when something happens, like the same thing they told Jesus, Jesus was casting demons out by demon. And it's saying, how are you locked? You know, we got to be careful. We don't get locked in. When we see a miracle like this or when they did, they began to accuse or be fearful more of the miracle working power. Than having, they were more comfortable with the demonic man naked sitting in the tombs than they were seeing him fully healed. And so, uh, because they're, uh, because they're, and Jesus acquiesced to their request. He said, Oh, you want me to, okay, fine. Now it does say later he went back to that region to the Decropolis and thing. But for this particular purpose, when we look at, 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 we're talking about situations that happen, Jesus, um, not only did he do such a tremendous miracle in this man's life and restored his mind back to him and restored his life back to him, I love the next part of the story because it, it's where Jesus takes what you would consider today a maniac, like out of control, like stay away from that guy. He takes him and makes him a missionary instantly. He goes from being this crazy Joe, this crazy guy out here like, oh, stay away from him, to now... No, that's who I want to use. I'm going to use this guy. And so in verse 38, after Jesus left, he was fixing to leave. And the man 
from whom the demons had gone out, begged to go with him. And I love what Jesus said. But Jesus sent him away and and he told him, go home. Go back home. Go home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. Think about it. When God does something in our life, this is what many people do. They keep it to themselves. Instead of saying, hey, and that, that's for church people too. It's like God does some tremendous things in our life and we want to keep it ourselves and say, we want to share with everybody. Let me tell you what Jesus has done for me. Let me tell you how, how great it is that he, I was lost and now I'm found. I was, this guy was demon possessed. I had thousands. Could you imagine his stories and what he had to tell about what was going on inside of him? And now it's gone and he's right mind and can serve and worship the Lord. I can't help but think that um, as he goes to his house, how many people that had never experienced him in his right mind, his family, got to see him. Jesus said, you know what? I'd love for you to come, but really who needs to see you most? Your family needs to see you most. They need to experience you in a way they've not done ever in a long time. It doesn't say if it was a child. It doesn't say how long he'd been possessed. And so I want to encourage us tonight as we... Come on this eve of, of these these days where people want to get spooky. We have to be prepared to share truth. And um, I love it because I get this opportunity, and I know you can have it too, that when people try to glorify dead things, we say, hey, this is how they handle. This is how Jesus handled graveyard experiences. This is what Jesus does when he shows up in a graveyard. He brings life. He brings healing. We'll see next week where it's not just a... Uh, a man demon possesses a dead man where Jesus says that, that I'm not even, I'm not even freaked out. I'm not scared when I walk into, there's a, there's a dead man. He's not, he's just sleeping. And we'll look at that next week and be encouraged by that. But tonight I want you to, to, to remember a couple things. One, God's power is greater than anything that comes in. Any greater is he that's in you than this thing that tries to come at you. There's no demonic force that is greater. Here it is, a man with at least 2,000, because there was 2,000 pigs, at least 2,000 demons that were residing in him. And I know when we think numerically, how could 2,000, they're spirits. They're not physical things. They're spirits. And so they're just running, wreaking havoc in this man. How much power does Jesus have that, look, that's not even anything for him. And the same thing for us, that... We have no nothing to be fearful of. We are the light of the world. We are the salt of the earth. And we need to go out, especially at this time, and show the light of the literally show the light, the goodness of God, and never be fearful. I mean, in that regard, we don't fear we fear God, we do not fear the demonic. We take it head on with joy in our hearts and say, Hey, Jesus came to destroy that work and He's using me to do that. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord God. Father, I do thank you. For your precious word, Lord Jesus, I thank you for the demonstration, Lord, that you gave while you were physically here on this earth. And Lord, I thank you that you said in your word, Lord, you said the things that you do, we shall do also and even greater. Lord, I thank you for your servants here and those who listen later, either by CD or by podcast. That, Lord, we would never come to the place as believers. That, Lord, we would ever be afraid of what the enemy's doing and that, Lord, we would... We would allow you to search our hearts. We would stay in constant contact with you. We would allow you to, to do your work, your will, your way in us. 
And Lord, I thank you for using us to reach this generation. And that, Lord, we wouldn't run from people, we'd run to them. Lord, there's no, uh, there's no situation that we're not fully prepared for. And Lord, I thank you that fear has no place in the heart and the lives of your people except for the awe and the wonder we have for you. And so, Lord, I thank you for blessing those here tonight. I thank you for the freedom that you give us. I thank you we get to walk in it, it gets to walk in us, and we can stand in the liberty that you brought, you bought for us 2,000 years ago. Lord, I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to bless you and, and uh, dismiss, but if you need prayer, if you've got something going on in you, if there's, there's anything where you feel like there's a demonic oppression or an attack against you, don't stay alone. I would love to pray and believe God with you. You don't have to leave out of here the same way you came in. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, if you ask you to go ahead and stand up with me at this time, and I'm gonna bless you, and then they can put some worship music on, and we'll, I'll be up here to pray specifically for anybody that has something that you feel like you need prayer for. And I know, uh, Ricky Williams is here too, man of God, man of, he's heading up our prayer altar ministry we're gonna he's right here to pray and anoint and we'll do that as well if you would open your hands and receive from the lord father god you're the one who commanded blessing to be spoken over your people and in so doing lord your name might be placed on them and so lord in so doing you then would do the blessing i say to each one of you the lord bless you and keep you the lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you and the lord lift the light of his countenance on you and give you his peace In Jesus' name, amen.